Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. That's IPA for short. My name is Troy Mix. I'm Associate Director at IPA and your host for this episode. I'm pleased to bring you another installment in the Delaware Founders Stories series, a collection of conversations with underestimated entrepreneurs focused on documenting journeys, recounting successes and failures, and reflecting on lessons learned. For this episode, I spoke with Sierra Ryan Wallach on April 11th, 2022. Sierra is a serial social entrepreneur, an undergraduate student at the University of Delaware, and the co-founder and CEO of Upcycle Design, a sustainable fashion startup that diverts textiles and plastic bags from landfills while raising money and awareness for community causes. To learn more about Sierra and her journey as an entrepreneur, let's get right to the conversation. How would you introduce yourself if you had to give like a 30 second elevator pitch or something like that? Oh, good question. I think I would say, you know, hey, everyone, my name is Sierra Ryan Wallach. I'm a social entrepreneur. My passion is catalyzing positive change. So I started a nonprofit when I was 10 that has raised over $100,000 for nonprofits. And I'm currently working on a social venture called Upcycle Design as well. I wanted to talk to you about entrepreneurship and kind of your journey a little bit. And I wanted to get started by asking you, when did you have the first sense that you kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur or you understood what entrepreneurship was and you wanted to do that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I think it was actually when I was 10. Now I didn't really know what entrepreneurship was at the time. I didn't know the word for it, but I was actually homeschooled and I learned about in one of my books, Endangered Animals. And I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help them. And so I went to my mom and I was like, you know, how can I help? And she encouraged me. And this is the story of a lot of social entrepreneurs is one person, you know, when they're young, one person says, you can do it. And how can I help you? And so that was my mom for me. And so she said, well, what can you make? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I can make, uh, I just learned how to knit. So I could make, you know, washcloths, knit washcloths. And then I could make beaded bracelets. And I started selling them at a local growers market. And I got my first taste that summer at 10 of one person can make a huge difference. And it doesn't matter your age. And so it was at age 10 when I started being entrepreneurial. I started my nonprofit, even though I didn't know that that's where the journey would take me. It just kind of led there. And so, yeah, I kicked off with my nonprofit Autumn Leaf fundraisers and I just started inviting people to join me and it grew and we had more and more products and we got to a point where we had like $14,000 in inventory at any given time. And we were doing a ton of events every year. We had all these volunteers and it was just an incredible experience. So it was definitely when I was 10, I didn't know the word of social entrepreneurship or even entrepreneurship. But that's what I was doing. I was being entrepreneurial and I wanted to solve a problem that I saw that I was passionate about. Oh, my nine-year-old turns 10 this summer. So I'm going to be ready. (laughs) I'm going to be ready for the transition to uh, entrepreneurship. You introduced the term there, social entrepreneur. Could you uh, define that in terms of how it appeals to you versus just kind of strictly entrepreneurship? Absolutely. Yeah. I think social entrepreneurship, when I found that term, I was like, wow, this is what explains what I feel. I think entrepreneurship in general is, you know, making money and solving a problem. But social entrepreneurship is solving a social problem. You see, you know, someone or something that is wrong in the world. And you say, like, I want to help people. 
or I want to help solve a social problem. And you go in and you, you know, do what you can using the resources that you have. And yeah, you try to make an impact. And that can be like a nonprofit or that can be a social venture. I do believe truly that I think more traditional businesses should be more social entrepreneurial, but you know, many aren't and that's okay. But I think that the world is going in that direction. And I know social entrepreneurship is a newer term that a lot of people aren't familiar with, but I think the way that, you know, our generation is forming, I think that the newer generation will come up and be like social entrepreneurship is going to be the future of traditional business. So we'll see, we'll see, but that's my bold prediction. Age 10, starting your nonprofit, $14,000 in inventory. At that point, you know, when you're just getting started, did you feel like, oh, this is going great? Did you feel like you had some big setbacks? What kind of lessons were you learning as you got going? Yeah, it was, oh my gosh, I learned so many lessons. I think that that's like the foundation of where I am today. And so the biggest lesson I learned, I think, was. I got all my friends really excited about it in the beginning. You know, they were around my age and and then kind of once high school started, a lot of them, you know, started doing sports or extracurriculars and dropped off. And so I had to pivot my focus from other youth that I wanted to be really excited about this, but you know, they had their own passions, they had their own interests, right? So I had to pivot and I started focusing on actually senior citizens. A lot of people who were retired Our oldest volunteer was 93 at the time, and she made catnip toys that would just fly off the shelf. I mean, we raised thousands of dollars with her items, and she was such an inspiration because she was just whipping out, you know, all this crocheted stuff that was so popular. And so, you know, I started focusing then on, you know, people who are retired, who had the time and the skills to make items because, you know, handmaking things is also a dying art. A lot of people don't know how to make, you know, handmake things anymore. And that was what we sold was handmade high quality items. And so I think that was a big learning for me. Um, and in that moment, it felt so terrible because I was like, oh no, all my friends are leaving me. You know, how am I going to keep doing this? But it kind of snowballed into an even more exciting direction where I had, you know, all these people who were just as passionate about it. And and cat lovers will truly, you know, most of the money went to a cat rescue and cat lovers will truly do anything for their cats. And so, you know, a lot of our volunteers as well were animal lovers in general, because, you know, we're all so passionate about it. And so not to bring up my kids again, but I have, <laughs> I have three kids and I can imagine any one of them from four to nine being a CEO right now. <laughs> Uh, But I'm curious, like at age 10 or 11 or 12 or 14, what did, what was your role in the nonprofit? I mean, you're the creator of it, founder, but how are you at giving out orders, setting the strategy, all those kinds of things? (laughs) Yeah. So it was, I, I, you know, I thank my parents so much for being there to encourage me. Obviously I didn't know how to drive when I was 10 and I didn't have a car. And so they took me to all the events, right. And, and they basically helped to get the supplies for me to, to start doing it. And, you know, eventually we started getting donated supplies and, you know, we went, we went down that path to having, you know, sponsors and all of that. But, you know, they really let me have free reign and they were like, we're here to support you. But they were like, you know, we're not going to do it. So I, I did all of it. And I was so, you know, internally motivated to do it that I did it. And, and I did a lot of it. I mean, I did the marketing. I did the inventory before and after every event. 
I coordinated volunteers. I sent out, you know, emails and running, you know, I, I did basically a little bit of everything. And so it was a lot of fun because I learned so much. And because I was homeschooled, I was actually able to take and create classes around my nonprofit, you know, so math could be finance, right? And like doing all the finances of the nonprofit. And so it was a lot of fun. And, you know, a big challenge was I, I developed Lyme disease when I was 14. And so I almost actually stopped my nonprofit at that time because I had such limited energy. I mean, I was just, you know, it really drained me. And so I, I almost stopped it, but I ended up choosing the nonprofit because it gave me so much purpose in the end. And the notion of bringing into your homeschooling experience kind of brings me to the next question, which is how were you, you know, you're learning by doing these things, but what kind of things were you reading? You know, what, what did you know? I need to fill this gap in my skill set to move forward. Oh, that is a great question. I think, um, I, you know, I was a huge reader and then I got Lyme disease and then it was just survival. I mean, I would read, you know, one of my textbooks for 30 minutes and I would go to my mom and I'd be like, I have no idea what I just read. You know, so my learning style changed drastically and it became much more just hands-on. It was like, well, let's do it. Let's see if it fails. Let's see if it's successful and go from there. Right. Like, we would introduce new, uh, you know, items at events and we would see you learn sales so quickly. You have to bring people into the table. You have to say, hi, how are you today? And then you have to share the entire story. You know, people aren't just going to, you know, look at something and be like, I want that. You have to share the entire story of what we're doing. You know, hundred percent of the money is donated. Everything is handmade. You know, all the money goes to this cat organization. Let me tell you about it. And so I was just learning about as hands-on as you could be, you know, sale to sale, event to event, product to product. And, you know, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I was just like, okay, you know, I would hit a roadblock and go, okay, I got figured out, you know, and I'd figure it out and move on. And so I think it was really my senior year when, you know, I was really in survival mode from 14 until I graduated high school. I was very much just in survival mode. And my senior year of high school, because of my uh, Lyme disease, I should say, and my senior year of high school, I did the Diamond Challenge, which is this international pitch competition for high schoolers located at the University of Delaware. And that was the first time where I really started to think deeply about business, you know, about how can we scale, you know, using all these business terms. And I learned so much about that experience. And we ended up placing third in the social innovation track. And that experience changed my life. I ended up choosing the University of Delaware, studying entrepreneurship because of that. And so I started, that was, I think, kind of the beginning of my business journey, I would say. You know, I had had my social impact journey and I would just, you know, my passion was leading me. I would just figure it out, right? But at that point, I was starting to get more into, okay, like, you know, the, the business buzzword terms, shall we say. And what was like kind of the most challenging about doing the diamond challenge for you at that stage? I mean, you say introduced you to kind of the business side of it, but what were the elements of that that took you back? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was honestly just trying to find a team. So at that point, you know, we needed youth. It was a youth competition and most of my volunteers were senior citizens. And so it was like, oh no, how are we going to do this? And so at the time, I literally just invited like, people I barely knew because I had no one else who, you know, who could do it. So I gave them scripts and I was like, learn this, <laughs> we're going to do it. 
And I, I really think that that was the biggest challenge because, you know, I didn't think we were going to win. So I didn't talk to them beforehand about, okay, if we win prize money, all the money's going to only fundraisers to, you know, further the mission. I didn't have that conversation. And so when we ended up winning, I actually split the money in, you know, the, all the money wasn't able to go to only fundraisers. So I definitely learned a lot through that experience. And it was definitely, it was definitely a challenge. It was definitely a challenge to do it with practical strangers. So you end up at UD, you're in an entrepreneurship major, which seems like the place for you. What did that look like? I mean, what courses appealed to you? What were the biggest, you know, like, oh, I was waiting for this course. I didn't know it was called, but I, I, you know, I was waiting for this to help me along the journey. What were some of the highlights of that so far? I think, I mean, I chose UD for the entrepreneurship program. I was like, this is, you know, I was between UD and Ithaca College. And I was like, this entrepreneurship program is where it's at. And so, you know, I, I even thought about possibly not even going to college at one point. I took a gap year and I was kind of, you know, because of my health, I was like, is this the right, you know, option for me? And it ended up being the case that I fell in love with Horn. I fell in love with the people. It just felt like a family. You know, I met certain key players at Horn, certain professors, and I didn't even know much about the classes. I'm not going to lie. Like when I came in, I was just like, I know this is the place for me. It's the people, it's the extracurriculars. Really what drew me were the extracurriculars, you know, summer founders, which I've done, which is a pre-accelerator program, like Venture On, which helps, you know, is extracurricular and helps startups even Dell Innovation Fellows Program, which is, you know, this place for anyone who's entrepreneurially minded to come in and learn. There was a, a living learning community, world changers that I wanted to be a part of. I mean, it was truly the extracurriculars, even outside of Horn. The Blue Hen Leadership Program was something I was really wanting to do the moment I first learned about it. And so I went to college, you know, maybe 50% for the learning in class, but really 50% for the extracurriculars networking I could do and, you know, what extracurriculars could help me build my startup. And your current startup, Upcycle Design, kind of seems to have arisen out of some of those activities and those extracurriculars and, you know, a natural extension of things you've been doing. Can you talk a little bit about when and how that was founded, what the goals were with that social enterprise kind of mindset in mind? And then what your day-to-day role is and what the team looks like. How it first started was the first two years of college, I wanted to just focus on extracurriculars that had nothing to do with my startup, which was really funny. I was like, you know, I want to be entrepreneurial, but I don't want to work on, you know, at that point, I worked on my nonprofit for like 10 years. And I was like, you know, I want to do something else. So for the first two years, I just did every extracurricular that I could do to see what I liked. And then about two years in, I was getting the itch and I was like, okay, I really want to work on my own thing again. And so, you know, I started thinking about plastic. I really was passionate about taking plastic bags that were already in circulation, taking them out of circulation and creating something new from them. And so I applied to the Clinton Global Initiative University in fall 2019, I believe, uh, with this just idea. It was just a random idea. And they accepted me. I was like, oh, okay, I should work on this now and really try to pursue it. And so, you know, I did for about six, nine months. I worked on it. I was, you know, really kind of hitting a brick wall. I wasn't really going anywhere. And at that point, I found a uh, sustainable fashion student who was really into textile waste and preventing textile waste from ending up in landfills. 
And so she was like, did you know about the fast fashion textile waste problem? And I had no idea. I'm not in fashion at all. I knew nothing about it. And so really learning about that, I was like, this is great. So we pivoted. She joined my team. We pivoted to focus on not only plastics, but also textile waste to prevent it from ending up in landfills. And so that was in the spring. That summer, we did Summer Founders, which is, uh, like I mentioned before, Horn Entrepreneurship's pre-accelerator program. And so we worked full-time on you know, upcycle design that summer. And so by that next January, we had launched our first product. And so our first product were sewn upcycled cloth stickers that would take really small fabric scraps that would otherwise be thrown away and use them in this cloth sticker that was cause-themed. So it would donate to a nonprofit and the theme was based on their mission. And so I was so excited because, you know, with my nonprofit, I always wanted to support other nonprofits. Like that was the mission of Autumnly Fundraisers. And in this way, I could do that. You know, I could do philanthropy and, you know, donate to nonprofits. So we sold that for a couple of months. And then, you know, the, the process, they were hand sewn and it was just so time consuming. So then we took about... I don't even know, maybe five months off, uh, redid the entire process, kept the same designs and did it with embroidery instead. So now we use fabric that would otherwise have still ended up in landfills, but we also use thread on the embroidery machine that is made from plastic bottles, which I just think is so cool. And so we can you know, use all these recycled or upcycled materials in our product. And then we still have the same mission. It's still cause theme. We still donate $5 from each sticker to that nonprofit. So we're creating a revenue stream for nonprofits, you know, uh, to be able to sustainably raise money. And it's just been so exciting to see. So at this point, we've been selling, I would say, I counted the other day, I think it's like six or seven months, like, you know, not straight through because we took that time off. But we've been selling for about that period of time. We've raised $300, over $300 for nonprofits. We have a team of 11 people. And so, yeah, it's just been incredible to have this team of people. We have some college students, we have some high schoolers, we have some people who are in the professional world and that are in their, you know, almost 30s and, you know, 60. Like, you know, we, so we have a really diverse team, which I just think is so cool that really believe in our mission and what we do. Could you give us a sense of like from, I expect you at the high end to someone else at the low end, how, how much time a week are people spending on this? Yeah. So mine fluctuates just based on my health. So earlier this year, I had kind of like a health flare. And so my time really depends on how I'm I'm doing every week. Usually I spend about, I would say 30 hours a week, 25 to 30 hours a week. So I'm pretty much working full-time on upcycle. I also have part-time job and I have an internship and I have my blog channel, you know, I have a bunch of stuff going on, but like upcycle design is truly my passion project it is my dream company. And so like my goal is to get this thing to work so that when I graduate, I can work on it full time. So I put in, you know, really as much time as I can every week. I would say our embroiderer spends approximately the same amount of time. He also has a full-time job. My, my embroiderer is actually my dad. So <laughs> he has a full-time job. Um, but on the weekends and on the evenings, he works on this as well. And we're about to potentially have another embroiderer come join our team too. So yeah, so that's a lot of time just because we're designing, we're prototyping, and then we're actually making and fulfilling orders. So the embroiderer position is like a ton. And then most of our most of our interns or our team captains, as we call them, spend about two to 10 hours per week 
usually about two to five is the average. And we're basically giving them experience, mentorship, you know, resume building, and, and trying to kind of put them in places where they gain entrepreneurial experience before they graduate. Most people in high school or in college have never even gotten entrepreneurial experience working on an early stage startup until after they graduate. So it's really hard for them to even know, do I like this? You know, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard working on an entrepreneurial venture. And so I think it's really important to give people who want experience before they graduate in those positions. And it looks like you've had some volunteer and mentor experience, like with Girls for Business, for example. Is that aimed at trying to give some people exposure at younger age? And what's that been like? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, mentoring is such a huge passion of mine. That is like, if, if, if I wasn't doing upcycle, I would love to mentor under-resourced youth from all over the world. Like that would be my dream job. So that is a huge passion of mine. And I've done it off and on with a ton of different programs. Actually, since I took a gap year, I started out the gap year working for dual school, which is local to Wilmington as a mentor. I helped them in their first cohort ever. It was so exciting. I mentored with them and I just sparked a huge passion that I didn't even know I had. And so after that, I mentored with Longex. I've mentored with the Diamond Challenge. I've mentored you know, with Girls for Business. Really, as many places as I can get you know, my hands on an opportunity to mentor, I do. And so I'm also working actually my internship right now. I launched a it's called Impact Mentoring Course for Impact, a local nonprofit. And so I was, you know, exploring all the different ways of mentoring. That mentoring is, you know, professionals who are in college or beyond. But I really narrowed in on my passion as being, you know, under-resourced youth, mentoring them about their passions and pursuing their passions and giving them an entrepreneurial mindset and just really supporting them in any way that I can. And so that translates to upcycle design because you know we try to mentor all of our team members and and really help them you know for future opportunities as well and we also have uh, we we call it our level up curriculum it's kind of our nonprofit side of upcycle design and that is our social entrepreneurship curriculum so over twelve sessions students would learn about design entrepreneurship and sustainability and we've had over seventy students graduate through that program. And so there's a little bit of mentorship kind of involved in that as well. And we actually had one of the graduates of that program come and work for us as an intern. So that was really exciting. But yeah, we partnered with the warehouse in Wilmington for that project as well. So mentorship is truly in like everything I do. <laughs> and what does it mean to you or what do you impart to folks about what it means to have an entrepreneurial mindset? I think I'm a huge believer that anyone in any profession and in any area of their life can use an entrepreneurial mindset. So it doesn't matter if you're a chef or a nurse or someone in business, you know, no matter where you are, it's just an innovation mindset. Even in your personal or professional life, I try to really instill that upon people. You know, you can use innovation in anything, just ways to improve, constantly trying to get better at things. So I think it's been really exciting because I know I don't have experience in some of those other fields or industries, but sharing that you can, you know, even if your passion is art, right, you can use an entrepreneurial mindset to further your ideas and further your passion and your art. And so I really tried to encourage people to, you know, think more innovatively, think more, you know, have that growth mindset and use entrepreneurship in whatever path that they're pursuing. And you mentioned this briefly, you've got a vlog. 
Yep. <laughs> which for people my generation and older, you might have to tell us what that is and yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of what you get out of, you know, being active on YouTube and other social media channels. Yeah, absolutely. So my vlog channel, so a vlog is basically a video blog is what it stands for. And I've been watching vloggers for, since I was in high school, my inspirations were Lily Singh, Casey Neistat a little bit, Sawyer Hartman. I think vloggers sometimes get a bad rap just because there are some that are in the media that are you know not respectful and not good influences, I think, on youth. But you know, I was following ones that were just inspired me so much with their work ethic and with their dreams and their art. And it was just incredible. And so I saw them in high school and, you know, I watched them a lot when I was really sick and they, they, you know, they, they empowered me to pursue my dreams. And so I wanted to do that for other people too. And so it's kind of, I call it my video scrapbook. You know, I'm not doing it for followers or, you know, for anything like that. I love just sharing the journey, documenting the journey and sharing it. And my goal is to empower other people to pursue their dreams too. And so the thing that made it all worth it was I got a message one day on Instagram, a father who said, Hey, you know, I found your channel. I didn't know this person. I found your channel and my 10 year old daughter wants to start a nonprofit. And I shared your videos with her. And that made it all worth it. I ended up setting up a call with him to talk to you know him and his daughter and you know help her think through nonprofit ideas. And that moment, I mean, that just made the whole channel. Like I'm just, you know, I'm good now. <laughs> that was just the pinnacle of success for me. And yeah, if I can do that to anyone at any age, that's really my goal. And so I love that it's, you know, it's a really small channel. I think I have like 143 subscribers or something. And I love it. I just love it because, you know, it's mostly people I know, which is great because then you don't get, you know, a ton of negative people coming in. And it's just, it's been so much fun documenting that journey. And I have learned so much as I'm editing back my videos and seeing how I speak to change, you know, me saying, um, a lot or me saying, you know, like I I know the words that I use as fillers and it's really helped me with public speaking as well. So it's been really exciting to, to go through that journey. And I found that I love editing. I don't know why I love editing so much, but I love editing. And so it's, it's, you know, I'm exploring my passion through that as well. There's been a lot that I've been following on Twitter recently about the need for people to have their own personal brand, that it's not just enough to, and I mean, you know, this being an entrepreneur, it's not just enough to like go have a job and be happy doing that job, but you need to have a personal brand that people can identify with. And, and I wonder what your personal brand is. What do you feel like you're putting out in the world that identifies Sierra? Yeah, great question. I love talking about personal branding. I've just always kind of been fascinated with it. And I think the brand that I've tried to create is catalyzing positive change. It's just kind of the words that resonate with me, my mission in life, what I want to do. And so I think my personal brand as well is, you know, passionate, energetic, enthusiastic. Like everyone would kind of, you know, describe me in that way, or that's how people have described me in the past. And so I want to bring that energy to the social impact projects that I'm working on. And so I think, yeah, I've just, I've always been fascinated by personal branding, by what you can do with personal branding and making it authentic. Cause I think so many people are like, ew, personal branding, you know, it feels so weird. Same with networking. A lot of people say that with networking, but like, I disagree. I think it's community building. I think it's letting people know your authentic self so that if they resonate with that, they can connect with you and then you can build, you know, a bigger, better, bolder community. 
And so that has just always fascinated me. And I've always been super interested in, yeah, building a professional brand, building personal brands and, and also networking too. And if we were to come back about a year from now at this time and talked about kind of what your major accomplishments were over the past year and what you were working on now, what would that conversation look like? What do you hope that would be like in a year? Oh, goodness. I think my next kind of goal is to start a podcast. So we'll see. I think it'd be so cool to start a podcast about social entrepreneurs specifically and, you know, learning from their stories. And I can build my social entrepreneurship community. And I think that would just be such a cool experience. And I would learn a lot from, you know, being an interview and interviewer and facilitating that connection. And so, that's kind of my next big project. It's kind of kept being pushed back because of my health stuff has kind of continued to linger, unfortunately. But that would be the big one that I'm kind of aiming for. And then, you know, in June, I'm also giving a TEDx talk, which I'm so excited about. I, that has just been on my dream board since I got sick. I was like, I want to go through this experience and then share the lessons and the challenges that I overcame and how other people can be more resilient as well. And that would just make, you know, all the pain I went through worth it. And so I'm so excited to be working on that. So that has been on my dream board. I wanted to give a TEDx talk by 25 and I'll be 25 this summer. And so I'm so excited. I'm getting it in just in time. So yes, I hope that that all goes well, that I launch a podcast, that my startup continues to grow. I have, you know, we have goals to, you know, raise $5,000 for nonprofits by the end of this year and, you know, create like 10 partnerships by the end of this year. So yeah, we'll see. I'm so excited. I'm hoping that things just continue to grow and that my mentorship passion continues to grow as well. You know, starting to be on the advisory board of Girls for Business, who I've mentored for before and just kind of expanding that and those opportunities. I would love to do that. I would love to kind of do more speaking things as well and kind of learning my voice. And I think it's a great experience to learn how to tell a story. And so I'm hoping to do a lot more of those opportunities as well. So we'll see, fingers crossed that everything <laughs> goes in that trajectory. Your energy and enthusiasm really comes through. So I've got little doubt that, you know, I'll be listening to the podcast soon and your TEDx talk. I look forward to it. Really appreciate you taking time today, Sierra, to talk with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. To learn more about Upcycle Design, visit upcycledesign.org. Check the show notes for links to Sierra's other projects, including her vlogging channel on YouTube. For more on the Institute for Public Administration, visit ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to First State Insights and tune in again soon. Take care.